Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Merry Christmas. In Luke chapter 1, we find the amazing encounter of the angel Gabriel appearing to Zechariah. The scripture tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth were wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord, but were not yet given a child and were both well past the time of having children. Gabriel appears to Zechariah in the temple, however, and declares that they will indeed have a son who will be the great servant of the Lord, John the Baptist. Let's open our Bible now to Luke chapter 1 and learn from this incredible account of Gabriel, Zechariah, and Elizabeth. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday morning here in Texas and hopefully all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus. Merry Christmas. We're just rolling in the Christmas season here. And, uh, you know, just like any other time, you know, perhaps even more so now, we just want to be remembering Jesus, just remembering the the birth of Jesus. And, and, and really, what does it mean that that our God that Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, willingly became a human man for us, willingly entered this world for us in, in such humility, you know, took on human flesh, went on to live a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live, went on to die a, a torturous death that we should have died, and then was raised from the dead. Uh, Father, we just thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives, Father. We just thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a, a perfect, righteous life for us. We thank you, Lord, for dying a torturous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen. And we worship you today, our King, our Savior, our Master, our God. Father, we thank you for your word. We just thank you for our Bible. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Today, the plan is to do Luke 1, verses 5 through 25. Um, hopefully, if we can get through all these, it's it's a, it's just an incredible account of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the the birth of uh, of John the Baptist. So, wow! Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, Luke one verse five. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God 
and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, just a, uh, you know, just, just really an incredible account of the tremendous godly parents of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And, and Elizabeth is going to give birth to John the Baptist. Do you remember what Jesus said of John the Baptist? And, you know, what is it, Luke 9? Um, Luke 9 or Matthew 9? You know, he said of those born of women, there has never been one greater than John the Baptist. You got to go to heaven to find somebody greater than John the Baptist, right? Um, and so they're, they're going to give birth to John the Baptist, who will be the forerunner to prepare the way for Jesus. And, you know, in the, when we taught through the, the 21 chapters of the book of John, you know, we, we talked extensively about John the Baptist there in, uh, in chapters one and three. Um, but in verse five, it says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Verse six, both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. This is an important verse, okay? We just talked about how Jesus spoke of their son, John, John the Baptist, okay? Um, and we can see here, you know, imagine if, you know, you or I had a child and Jesus spoke of our child and out of Jesus's mouth, we heard Jesus say, of those born of women, which is every single human ever to be born, right? Even Jesus, the God-man, was born of a woman, right? Um, only Adam and Eve were created. They were created as adults by, by God, right? But you heard Jesus say of John the Baptist, of those born of women, every human being that ever existed, there has never been one greater. There's never been a more righteous a more God-fearing, a more devout man than John the Baptist. It's not a coincidence then that it says in verse 6 of Zechariah and Elizabeth, his parents, both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. What does it mean? Uh, it doesn't mean they were perfect. It doesn't mean they were sinless. It means they were completely devoted to following the word of God in every manner and in every way with all the understanding that they had. Okay. Now they would have made mistakes. Of course, they were, you know, they were sinful people. They weren't perfect. Okay. But they not only had a desire, but an intention to follow the word of God to obey the word of God and to believe the word of God in every manner and in every way. So it's not a coincidence why the Lord chose, why God the Father chose Zechariah and Elizabeth to be the parents of this child, John the Baptist. And we're going to talk more about that, but it's interesting, verse 7. Okay, both of them, verse six, were upright in the sight of God, 
observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly, okay? That's a compliment, and you notice it makes its way into the scripture here, May, of Zechariah and Elizabeth. But look at verse 7. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Now, when it says they had no children, this was a grief and really a disgrace that that they felt, particularly Elizabeth, um, that that they couldn't have children. People would have looked at them as if, uh, you know, as if God was was disciplining them for something or was against them for something. You see how the you know this particular account ends that after she gets pregnant in verse twenty five, Elizabeth says, um, "The Lord has done this for me," she said. In these days. He has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So again, she really felt it as a disgrace that she was disgraced or that she had done something wrong. We just read that that, that they were upright, observing the entire word of God blamelessly. There was nothing in their Bible that they weren't deliberately intentionally believing and laboring to live out and obey in their lives. And yet, the biggest desire of their life went unfulfilled. And, you know, until clearly it was well past any hope. They had even given up all hope and all desire that that they would ever have a child. And clearly, Elizabeth, you know, and Zechariah at whatever level, but clearly Elizabeth felt it as a disgrace and that for whatever reason she had done something wrong. And again, it begs the question here, Peyton, right? It begs the question, Benny, again, why would the Lord have two people that are are laboring intentionally in the word of God and in the scriptures to obey the word of God, to walk with God, to apply themselves to believing everything in the scriptures and to living out everything in the scriptures and yet not fulfill the one most important desire of their hearts for almost their entire lives. Again, why does the Lord work this way? Now, certainly he's going to make up for it, right? Uh, They're going to have a child in their old age. Um, The Lord, and and, and, and again, it clearly uh, appears here that Elizabeth is is past menopause right and uh you know and just me learning really just you know some of the things that go into menopause apparently when a woman's in in menopause she she no more you know um all her eggs are gone no more can uh can there be an egg to fertilize okay um obviously her monthly cycle has ended and like so much happens that it is impossible to have a baby once you've completed menopause. So this is going to be a tremendous miracle here, okay? Um, <clears throat> that that she's going to conceive a child. And, and unlike Mary, where, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one that makes Mary pregnant, the Holy Spirit comes on Mary, he simply thinks it, wills it, and Mary's pregnant, right? There's no intimacy of any kind, okay? Here, uh, Elizabeth is going to get pregnant in the normal way through through sexual intimacy, but the fact that they were able to have intimacy and that she that, that she's going to get pregnant is a, is an immense miracle. And not only is she going to get pregnant, she's going to get pregnant with the forerunner that's going to prepare the way of the God Man, the Savior Jesus Christ. And again, out of Jesus's mouth, Jesus is going to say about Elizabeth's son, your son Elizabeth, that boy John, every woman that's ever born a child in the history of the world, there's never been a man greater than that. Imagine if that was said about your child. Imagine the beaming pride. Imagine the overwhelming just, uh, you know, (coughs) you know, just uh, (coughs) unbelievable, just pride and excitement and joy if Jesus 
said that about your children. Again, all of us as parents at some level have some parental pride. We think our children are are really good, right, Wendy? We think, May, that our children are just the best. Um, You know, as parents, we do want to have a more realistic view of our children. Um, You know, but we love our children, right? Lauren, right, Kristen? And, uh, you know, but when Jesus says it, right, that is saying something. So, the Lord allows them to go through their entire married life. We don't know how long this is. Could have been 40 years, right? 50 years, right? We don't know when they got married. They could have got married at, uh, you know, at 20 or 17. And now maybe they're 60, 65. We don't know. But, but just past the time, you know, of childbearing years. And it's just interesting, again, that why the Lord would take two of the most God-fearing, upright righteous people, people with a lifestyle of doing what's right and laboring to obey the word of God and would allow them to have such, uh, you know, just such disappointment that the one biggest desire of their hearts went unfulfilled and they had clearly given up on it, that it, it would it would never happen. Um, and we, we consistently see this as a theme in the scriptures that the more obedient we are to Christ, the more we have a desire to follow Christ, the more we have a desire to repent and just, uh, you know, continue to walk a more holy and upright life, the more we have a desire to not only believe the scriptures, but to live out the scriptures. And again, none of us do this perfectly. I'd have to take a vacation day, as I say over and over, to tell you the things I need to improve in my own life. Um, But the more we seem to become a candidate for for difficulty, the closer we walk with Jesus. Um, again, it's a remarkable thing when you see verse six, both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. You would think that it would say, and the blessing of the Lord poured on them all the days of their life. But no, verse seven, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years, right? So again, Lord, I don't, I don't get it, Father. I just, there's just so, so much I don't get. I understand, Lord, that we are your workmanship. I understand, Father, that, that you're molding us. I understand that all things work together for good. But Father, apparently I don't understand it as I ought. Um, but Father, we thank you for your mercy on our lives. We thank you that you know what's best. And I, I ask you to help us to trust you, Father, as we grow to obey you and walk with you and grow to know you in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit, to go through our trials and difficulties and hardships and to continue to have a heart. Help us to be like Zechariah and Elizabeth, where we could observe the entire word of God, that we believe the word of God, beginning with the gospel and then the entire word of God, and that we would labor, as Jesus told us in Matthew 28, um, you know, to, to, to increasingly obey everything in it and to have a heart of repentance where we fall short. All right, verse eight. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Verse 10, and when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. I did not know this as I was studying and preparing for this. Scholars say that, and again, I didn't know this, that what's happening here, when Zechariah was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, this would have been a once in a lifetime opportunity. And if, if you ever had this happened to you in your life, if you were ever chosen by lot, it would have been like the greatest dream come true, the greatest opportunity in your service to God that you could have ever dreamed of, that you would have maybe been praying about this all the days of your life in service to God and in what you would want to do. This opportunity to burn incense in the temple of the Lord you would be in there alone, okay, in this particular place where you burn incense. Um, 
and it, it was a privilege that, that, that most would never get an opportunity to do. Um, these scholars said that, 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 that it, there could have been as many as 20,000 priests that, 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 you know, that you'd be choosing from. So again, if you're one in 20,000, you know, what are you expecting the opportunity for you to come up or ever to come up, right? Um, and again, I did not know that um, historically, right, Jose? Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, okay? So right here now we see he's been faithful his whole life. He's been obedient his whole life. And there can be no doubt that God caused the lot to fall to Zechariah. So certainly the Lord is aware of our heart and our labor to obey the word of God. He clearly sees our repentance, you know, when we grief, when we're convicted, when we fall short. Again, remember, when we repent of sin, uh, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation, there's no shame. The Holy Spirit brings conviction, and with the conviction, joy, that we have understanding and revelation, and that, you know, we do want to live, right, more in the will of Christ. And even when we make the same mistake over and over and over, as I certainly have, and regrettably do, um, that, that the Lord is still pleased with us, that we're continuing to get back up, right? The proverb says that though a righteous man falls seven times, he will rise again, right? You continue to get back up, dust yourself off, and then and walk uprightly with Jesus, right? Now remember, none of this has anything to do with our salvation. None of, none of this walk with the triune God, none of this relationship and how we walk with him has anything to do with us going to heaven, okay? We are saved from our sin, delivered from eternal hell by trusting and relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. It's only by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior that we can be forgiven of our sins delivered from eternal hell, and ultimately spend eternity in heaven with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. John 1.12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. So remember Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast, okay? Um, we're saved not by anything we've done, right? We're saved by putting our full and complete trust and reliance and faith and hope and what Jesus did for us on our place, in our place and on our behalf at the cross, right? Now, once we've become a Christian, once you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now that you have relationship with the triune God in Jesus Christ, the more you pursue that relationship, the more you give yourself to that relationship, the more you'll grow to know your heavenly father, the more you'll grow in intimacy with Jesus Christ, the, the more you'll grow to move in the, the order and rhythm of heaven, the more you'll, you'll, you know, you'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, the more you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So again, we, we come into relationship with our Heavenly Father and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit by God's grace alone. But, you know, how we grow in that relationship and how we experience that relationship will be completely dependent, just like any other relationship in this, in this life, on how we pursue that relationship. You know, we, you know, most Christians, you know, that have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior still put very little effort into their walk with Jesus, into, you know, how they're spending time with Jesus and growing to know him and growing to love him and growing to know his love for you and growing to serve him and obey him, right? Um, so we see here that because of Zechariah's devotion, verse 9, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So again, we, we know by faith that as we, you know, consistently walk with Jesus, as we consistently obey him, again, as we consistently repent where we fall short, 
our heavenly father sees all this, right? Um, and we continue to do it by faith. And sure enough, you know, they're, however long they've been married, you know, 35, 40, 45, 50 years. And here it comes. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And again, this alone would have been a dream come true, something he never could have hoped for, a privilege beyond our understanding that it got to be you to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Verse 10, and when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Again, a scholar say that there would have been hundreds of people, right, outside praying as when Zechariah was, was in here burning incense to the Lord. Also, some, uh, you know, some scholars say that in that time that they would, they would tie a rope around, um, around the, the priest that went in because, you know, apparently there were times that when a priest would go in that, you know, that his life would be taken from him and he would have to be dragged out. Because again, um, this is a time where the Savior, the Messiah, hasn't come yet, hasn't lived the perfect life, hasn't, you know, sacrificed his life yet. And so, uh, you know, uh, we were still in a tenuous position, right? Uh, our sin had not, the gospel um, had not come. The good news had not come. It had been prophesied in the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist is going to be the forerunner to say, hey, that the, the Savior is coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. Um, but, you know, apparently there were times when, when the priest could be struck dead by God and would have to be dragged out of that temple, right, Jesse? And so, uh, and so they would tie a rope around the priest, um, you know, uh, history tells us, um, just in case, you know, they were struck dead. And so there were, you know, there were hundreds of people praying outside. Uh, verse 10, and when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Okay, now remember, Zechariah is the only one in there. Okay, again, Zechariah is not a perfect man. He still is, you know, he's still a sinner. He still has aspects of his life, whether it be thoughts or words or deeds that are, you know, where he makes mistakes and sins. Um, you know, there can only be one person in there, but we said in Bible study, apparently there can be more than one being. It just can't be two human beings in there, okay? Because that would be too much for the Lord to bear at this time, right? Too much sin. But apparently an angel, a holy angel, can be in this in this place of burning incense with Zechariah. Verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Verse 12, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. We kind of get that, right? He was startled, okay? Again, this would have been an incredible privilege He's in there and all of a sudden, bam, just appearing, you just look and there, there's an angel and it's clear and, you know, whatever the glory the angel would have, this angel's Gabriel, right? We said last time, one of Gabriel's uh, titles, you know, he's known as God's enforcer, right? Um, you know, when you got an issue, you send Gabriel and he'll handle it, right? Um, he'll enforce the will of God and bring it to pass. Um when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Again, you expected to be in here alone the entire time, right? You're serving. It's the greatest privilege of your life. You're doing it with such devotion and reverence, and bam, all of a sudden an angel shows up in there. Um, and it's also interesting because we can see that, uh, you know, our Heavenly Father, you know, although this is, this is a, a ceremony they were given to do, Heavenly Father is not worried about interrupting this ceremony um, to give Zechariah this blessing. Certainly, you know, you know, we see that in the, uh, you know, in the in the time with Mary, right? Gabriel appears to Mary, right, 
just, you know, not at a time. Mary wasn't a priest. Mary wasn't serving. So, you know, Gabriel could have, you know, appeared to, to Zechariah at any time. He could have appeared to him, could have appeared to him and Elizabeth, you know. But, you know, the father chooses to send this, this, this angel Gabriel during this exact time that the father had chosen for Zechariah to serve. So again, we can see, you know, just sometimes where, you know, where, where we will, we will have these kind of mountaintop experiences, these opportunities to serve the Lord. And here in Zechariah's service to the Lord is where he's going to get this visit from the angel. Do you see that Esther? Sometimes it's in your service to the Lord where a revelation may come to you, where a blessing may come to you, may. Are you serving the Lord today, right? During Zechariah's time serving the Lord, during our time of serving Jesus, of walking with Jesus, of, of giving our time, our talents, and our money into the kingdom of God, the Son of God, and the gospel of God, that is often the times when the blessing of the Lord will come, when the revelation of the Lord will come. If we're not serving Jesus, how many times, because I don't have a lifestyle of serving Jesus or wasn't serving Jesus where I was supposed to, that I potentially miss, miss this blessing? Mm. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear, okay? Um, gripped with fear, extremely afraid, right? Not knowing what's going on. Maybe thinking he's going to get struck dead here, right? Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Mm. Wow. John is a biblical name. We see it here in John the Baptist, and then we'll see it later in John the Apostle, right? Um, I believe the Hebrew meaning for the, the name John, J-O-H-N, um, which happens to be my name, is God is gracious. And it's interesting because when you look at John the Baptist, we often, you know, when we when we see the kind of man he was in Scripture, he doesn't seem like a gracious man. But John the Baptist certainly is an expression of the grace of God. Now, in John the Apostle, right, the one who called himself the one who Jesus loved, we see, we, you know, we can understand the grace of God everywhere. But sometimes the grace of God comes in different packages, right? Um, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Um, you know, this prayer that they would have a child and even have a son, um, you know, who knows? They might have stopped praying this 20 years ago. Maybe this was something they had been praying, you know, during their engagement and then, you know, after they were married, they had undoubtedly been praying. They could have been praying for 20, 25, 30 years. But very possibly, since now they were well along in years and past the time of having a baby, as I said, undoubtedly past the time of menopause for Elizabeth, that they had, uh, they had you know, they hadn't been praying this maybe for years. So when the angel says, your prayer has been heard, you know, these, these could have been prayers from 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. We don't know how long they were. Um, and that's interesting. You know, sometimes for most of us, I know for me, when we're praying every day and we've prayed hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of prayers over the last 10, 15, 20, 25 years, you know, we don't remember them all. But it's kind of exciting here. Right, uh, right Ian? Right, Chloe? Because it's clear the Lord remembers our prayers that we've prayed way back when, even when we don't. And that ought to be an encouragement to us, right, Chris? The Lord remembers our prayers, even though, you know, I don't know, it's the prayers I prayed yesterday, right? Do y'all remember the prayers you prayed yesterday? Scott, I, I don't remember the prayers I prayed yesterday. Um, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. Verse 14, he will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. Just this incredible blessing, right? Verse 15, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Wow. 
I've been praying a lot lately, and all of us ought to be praying that we be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Um, you know, again, when we when we have a glass of wine, and I'm certainly one who who who, who enjoys the drink, and sometimes one too many. Um, but uh, you know, you know that feeling we get, right? That that relaxation, whatever that that alcohol does for us. Um, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit is is the is the you know is is a spiritual right filling that ultimately will do so much more for us than uh, than drinking alcohol will. Okay, um, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. As believers. We ought to consistently be praying and be living our lives that we, we be more and more filled with more of the Holy Spirit of God. If you're in Christ today, if you're a Christian today, if you've, if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're trusting and relying on Jesus alone today, <clears throat> clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He's one with you. Okay, so you're one with the Holy Spirit, but being filled with the Holy Spirit is something else. All right, most of us are, as Christians are still filled with with a lot of other things that are not the Holy Spirit. We want to be filled more with the Holy Spirit and filled a little bit less with Netflix. All right, filled a little bit less with pro football, filled a little bit less with you know the nonsense that you know we fill ourselves with. Right. John the Baptist will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Verse 16, many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. Just look at the blessing that this child's going to be that Gabriel is, is proclaiming here. Verse 17, and he will go on before the Lord. And he will go on before the Lord. And again, this is what John the Baptist did. He was the forerunner of Jesus, right? Um, this is... Um, Bam. Um, he's quoting out of uh, out of Malachi here. And he says, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And if we turn back to the last book of the Old Testament, um, In the last chapter of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, you see it says in 5 and 6, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Verse 6, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And so we see here in verse 17, um, and again, that's speaking of, of John the Baptist, right? Um, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, right? Verse 17, that's Malachi 4, 6, the last chapter the, the, that ends the Old Testament. Here now in Luke 1, Gabriel says to, uh, uh, to, to Zechariah, right, Corinne? And he will go on before the Lord in the Spirit, and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And that's what John the Baptist did. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The Savior's coming. The Messiah is coming. Repent of just whatever foolishness you've been believing. Repent of any, any belief you have that's not in line with the Bible and certainly repent of just disobedient, you know, thoughts and words and actions, right? For the Savior's coming. And that's what John did. Now, it's interesting. Look at verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Again, it's not something we generally want to say of our wife, that she's well along in years, right? But Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? He doesn't believe him, right? 
And we, we kind of can understand it, right? Because he says, number one, I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. You know, listen, Angel, I, I get what you're saying, but we, we ain't having no more babies. That time has long passed, okay? Uh, so, um, and little does Zechariah know that those will be the last words that will come from his mouth for at least probably the next nine months. Verse 19, the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Verse 20, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. The angel was sent, Gabriel was sent to deliver the word of God, right, Rap? To deliver the word of God, Becky, to Zechariah. Zechariah didn't believe it, right? Now, again, when we look at the situation, I get, it, it is hard for us to believe. And you notice that Gabriel doesn't need a jury, Gabriel has the power in himself to bring judgment. Immediately because of Zechariah's unbelief, Gabriel brings judgment on Zechariah and he cannot now speak. Those would be his last words. The words of Zechariah's unbelief to Gabriel would be the last words he'll speak until his son John, John the Baptist, is born. And he has to be given a name. Wow. I have, uh, you know, we said yesterday in Bible study that, you know, Lord, sometimes I just, uh, you know, sometimes we don't understand the, the consequence of our unbelief. You know, sometimes, you know, just our doubt and our unbelief and our unwillingness to believe the word of God and to live our lives out of that belief in the word of God can, uh, you know, can bring discipline in our lives. And, and, you know, and often we're not aware it's discipline. But here the discipline comes immediately. It comes swiftly and it's executed by Gabriel. Okay. Archangel Gabriel, again, God's enforcer in himself enforces judgment. And the judgment is, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their proper time. The Bible is the word of God. When we read the scriptures, we're reading the living word of God, which will certainly all come true. And again, the, the, we only hurt ourselves, certainly, and certainly others, when we do not believe the word of God. Okay? Again, I understand there are some parts of this Bible, some parts of this book that are hard to believe. And, and clearly, it was too much for Zechariah to believe. You notice the contrast between Zechariah and Mary. Mary believed Gabriel, right? Mary had simple questions to say, I'm a, a virgin, right? Um, how am I going to be pregnant? And Gabriel tells her that the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, and you'll be made pregnant by the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit will simply will it, think it. And Mary was pregnant. But Zechariah now... Um, you know, again, who's an extremely godly man. This is just, this is too much for him, right? It's interesting. We don't know. Maybe Zechariah is 60, 65, 70 here. Mary's 15 or 16. But we see Mary had more faith um, than Zechariah did here. Again, an extremely godly man. Um, but the consequence comes because of his unbelief. Wow. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. As I said last time or the time before, I mean, many of us would like the angel Gabriel to come and deal with other people we know and, uh, you know, and bring judgment on them and not allow them to speak. As I said, there are people who would like that to happen to me. They'd like the angel Gabriel to come to me and say, John, you're not going to be able to speak for the next nine months. And now you'll be silent, and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. And certainly they did. 
Help us, Father, to believe the word of God. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to help us, to forgive us, to cleanse us of our sin and our unbelief. Help our unbelief, Lord Jesus. Mm. Verse 21, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. Again, um, you know, again, some say there were bells put on the priests that they could still hear him moving, you know, uh, you know, um, just historical context tells us when you read in the history books. Um, and again, others have said there had been a rope tied to him. So now the people are still, you know, praying outside. And it says they were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. Verse 22, when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And so yesterday we were, you know, in Bible study trying to figure out what were the signs he was making, right? You know, was he pointing to heaven that he had seen a vision, right? But he couldn't speak, again, because Gabriel had brought the judgment. Um, but somehow he was able to communicate, you know, that he had a vision, right? Verse 23, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. This is amazing. Um, this is an important verse here, May, right? When his time of service was completed, he returned home. Um, you know, oftentimes we have a lot of reasons why, we, why we're not serving the Lord, you know, why we didn't complete some service in the Lord, why we're not doing some service for the Lord. I mean, Zechariah can't talk anymore, but apparently he's still expected to do his job. Do you have a heart, Damon? Are you serving Pop? Are you serving Jesus, Susan? Do you have a heart to continue your service in Jesus? And are you continuing your service? There are times when, you know, uh, you know, when most of us, all of us certainly at times, certainly I sometimes can be distracted and find reasons to not be serving the Lord as I ought to. Looking for Zechariah, though, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. You see, again, when we're not serving the Lord, when we're not completing our service unto Jesus, when we're not having a heart to give our time, talents, and treasures unto Jesus, how many blessings can we miss, Stephen? After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. After what? When his time of service was completed. So again, um, again, often the blessing of Jesus comes to us after we have served him in some capacity. And so again, each one of us can look at our lives right now and look at how we're using our time. Again, our gifts, our talents, the things we're good at, and our money. And we can see, you know, how much of that is done in service to Christ and how much of it is done in service to ourselves, our own lives, our own families, our own wives, our own children, right? When his time of service was completed, wow, help us, Lord, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion again. Amazing. This too is a miracle. Okay. Again, I don't know how it works, but apparently the Lord preserved an egg or created an egg and then really, you know, put her womb back into a place where she could, uh, where she could have a child. It's amazing. Right, Kristen? Golly. Um, wow. But again, this happened in the normal way, you know, Zechariah and Elizabeth, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, were able to come together in marital intimacy and uh, and she conceived the child. Verse 25, the Lord has done this for me. And that ought to be the cry of all of our hearts. Every one of us ought to have a lifestyle of saying, the Lord has done this for me, she said. You see that? You see that, Lens? The Lord has done this for me, right? Finally, after all of her years, she had given up hope and yet now the blessing comes years. Who knows? Could be in a decade after she thought this was long over. Who knows? Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of prayers. The Lord has done this for me. When the blessing comes in your life, Jesse and I often have talked about this. You know, we, uh, you know, we often pray and we pray and we pray and, and all of a sudden the blessing comes. And yet often we live our lives. Certainly I'm guilty of this where, you know, well, that's what would have happened anyway. And we don't understand that it really is 
an answer to prayer. You know, we had taken our dog, Aslan, who's almost 13 years old now, Aslan, right? After the Narnia lion. He's an old dog now and he's getting gray in the face and he is very gray in the face. Um, and about a year and a half ago, you know, he was, he wasn't doing well and he was sick and, you know, we thought that was it. We thought the Lord was taking him home and we, my wife and I, May and I took him to the vet and, um, the vet had basically said, you know, we can go ahead and, you know, it's, it's time for him. We can put him down. And, and I said, well, I'd like to know he was, if, how he was sick. And the vet said, well, it's expensive. The blood test will have to run will cost, I don't know, like three, $400. And I said, well, you know, I, I would like to know what's, what's going on before I put him down. And a couple hours later, um, the vet called and said, well, you know, we did the blood tests. And of course, May and I had been praying and praying and praying and praying. And the blood tests were just supposed to confirm whatever was wrong with them, right? And now we would understand and now be at peace and, you know, and, uh, you know, and putting them down and sending them off onto the Lord, right? But she said, there's nothing wrong. And the, the blood looks perfect. And so she said, so what I would do is I'd come pick him up and take him home and just watch him because I can't find anything wrong with him. And so many of us had, you know, I had several brothers in Christ that were really, and sisters just praying and praying. And sure enough, the vet who was ready to put him down because, it, you know, it was his time and said, we can do the blood test and you can spend the money. And we did that. And certainly it came back that, uh, that nothing was wrong. And that was, that was a year and a half ago. But what we found is that days after that, we found, you know, just thinking like, well, there was really never anything wrong with him. No, very possibly there was everything wrong with him, and the Lord healed Aslan, right? And now has blessed us with another year and a half, and, you know, we don't know how much longer we have, but thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So the Lord has done this for me, verse 25. When the blessing comes in your life, it's Jesus who's done it. We need to proclaim it, right? The Lord has done this for me, she said, and that needs to be the proclamation of our lives. The Lord has done this. You have done this for me, Jesus. You have done this for us, Lord. Thank you. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And so again, her deliverance comes. And so wherever we are today, whatever situation, continue to pray, continue to be faithful, continue to, to give yourself to the word of God, continue to grow in your faith and in your belief and in your devotion to Jesus and, of course, in your obedience and in your repentance. And there can be no doubt that you will proclaim that the Lord has done this for me and deliverance will come. And ultimately, one day we'll be delivered to heaven, right? Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives, Father. We thank you for this extremely godly couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Father, and we thank you for the the son they, they, they would bear, John the Baptist, Lord, and, uh, and the man of God that he was in preparing the way for you, Lord Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and God and King. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you for your mercy on our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts. We ask you to give us eyes that see Jesus, ears that hear him, and hearts to obey him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.